Welcome to our channel. As you take your time to listen to God's word today with us, we believe and pray that this sermon will be a blessing for you as well as your family. You would have all uh, come across the term transformation. Transformation is change. Today I want to introduce you to something called radical transformation. Radical transformation. Transformation is just a change or a conversion. But radical transformation means it is a change to a very great degree and it is very important. Transformation is a verb, right? You, you can transform, it's doing. But the adjective radical gives it a more intense and a great meaning. So my challenge to you is, are you ready to be radically transformed? If you are, can you say with me, I am ready to be radically transformed. I am ready to be radically transformed. To give you an example, I'd like to talk about a character from the Bible who had this radical transformation. He was a shepherd tending hundred odd sheep and then after the radical transformation he became the God appointed leader who led 21 lakh people. He was a brash and hasty person, unwise. Some things he did were very foolish but after the radical transformation changed to become the most humble person on the face of the earth and a man of great wisdom. Before his transformation, he was a stammerer who couldn't speak. But after the transformation, he became God's channel of bringing the word to his people. He was also the author of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. I guess by now you know who I'm talking about. Moses was a person who lived in fear before his radical transformation. But soon after, he was a person who stood boldly in front of Pharaoh. He had the fear of man, but he stood boldly in front of Pharaoh. When Moses encountered God in the burning bush, he feared God. He didn't want to look at God. But after the radical transformation, he wanted to. The Bible says he talked to God like a friend talks to a friend. And there is one instance where he says, God, I want to see you. And God places him on a cleft of a mountain. And he says, I'm very holy. If you look at me, you will die. He just covers him with his hand and walks past and Moses sees the back of God. What a transformation. He was a person who thought he was above the law. But after the radical transformation, he became the one who implemented the Mosaic law, which stands even till today. And the greatest thing was I believe the transformation of his purpose, a very radical transformation. He was a purposeless, 
content man, content man just counting the years to his life. But after that radical transformation, he became a man chosen by God to fulfill the promise that God had made to Abraham 430 years ago. Okay? The same radical transformation can happen in your life and mine. Think of Moses, a purposeless or a useless man as he thought himself to be. But God had predestined even 430 years before that instant that he was going to use Moses to get his people out of Egypt to Israel. God has a purpose for each of your lives. He knew you and formed you in your mother's womb. He had a purpose for your life even before you were formed in your mother's womb. What a great God we serve. Amen. Hallelujah. If you compartmentalize Moses' life, you could do it to three phases. Zero to 40 years, 40 to 80, and 80 to 120. His first phase was a, at a, in a very hostile environment. The uh, Israelites were under bondage and slavery. And Satan had a plan to wipe out the entire male of that generation. And so Moses was born at a time when there was a diktat that all the male babies should be thrown into the Nile. So he was born into a very hostile environment. His mother kept him safe for three months, but beyond that she couldn't. She puts him in a basket, puts him on the river Nile, and the baby floats to a place where uh, the daughter of the Pharaoh was bathing. And she sends her, uh, her assistant to get the baby and mothers that child. From here, this, uh, from this hostile environment, suddenly Moses is being elevated to a prince. Some say he would have even been in line to the pharaoh, to the throne. Uh, Egypt at that time was uh, the most powerful country in the world, by far. And they were very scholarly too. So here was... Moses, who lived in the palace, who attended the best university, they say the Alexandria Library in Egypt had a lot of scholars come from across the world to study. So that was like the place where people studied, people learned. Just to give you some examples, uh, Egypt won, uh, they are great architects, right? You, you know the fantastic monuments they've built. They were also expert chemists. You know, a body which they embalmed 3,500 years ago is there even till today, safe. They were experts. I haven't been to Egypt, but people have gone there tell me that their paintings, the colors on those, on those paintings painted 4,000 years ago are still vibrant. 
Today we need to paint our buildings every four years. So much for our technology, so much for knowledge. They were experts in astronomy. While the entire um, human race at that time thought that the earth was flat, the Egyptians were the first to find out that the earth was round. They even found out and uh, correctly gave the distance of the earth from the sun. So many years ago. So that was the level in which Moses was brought up. So that was the first 40 years of his life. But as he was nearing his middle age, Moses realizes that he is of Hebrew origin. And he goes to his people to see what is happening. He sees that they are mistreated by a slave driver. And he looks to the left and to the right. When he sees nobody there, he strikes the slave driver and kills him. And he buries him. And he thinks nobody noticed. A couple of days later, again Moses thinks he is the deliverer for the Israelites. He is a prince, right? He has everything under his control. He goes again. Two Israelites are fighting. He tries to make peace with them. And they, one of them says, if we don't do it, are you going to kill us like you killed the Egyptian? And, then, and Moses knew that his time was running out. He immediately ran and fled Egypt. From prince to pauper. From prince to few the run. From a great person to a nobody. So he runs to the, the deserts and there he uh, helps some uh, ladies to draw water for their flock and eventually marries one of them and then works for his father-in-law. So that was Moses from ages 40 to 80, a very broken man. Life became mundane. Every day was the same routine. He would take the sheep out in the morning, take care of them, come back in the evening. Next day, take them out, come back. The usual routine. The Bible says he was content to live with his father-in-law, which means he thought his life was over. And that is when he has an encounter with God. It was a life-transforming experience that completely changed the trajectory of his life. So Moses was here, he was around 80 years old, taking his sheep to Mount Horeb. And when he is there, he notices a bush which is burning. But the bush is not consumed with the fire. And out of the bush, God calls Moses, Moses. If you'd like to follow with me, uh, you could turn to Exodus 3 and 4. We're going to dwell completely on those two chapters. The verses will also come up on the screen. So if you want to, ex I, I believe that uh, this burning bush experience was the one which transformed Moses. And if you are at that time, at, right now, living a purposeless, mundane life without a purpose, and you think your, your life is a little lukewarm, I want to challenge you to come to the burning bush. 
the burning bush experience can be different for different people it will be different it will be different the purpose for your life will be different but you let us uh, ask god to give us that experience so we see the nature of god here so through this experience god calls moses 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 out of the bush the lord saw and the lord called that is the nature of god god is the god of love he comes after us that's why god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have eternal life jesus stands at the door of our hearts and knocks he calls us by our name moses then says here i am lord but god says do not draw near take your sandals off because you're standing on holy ground and then god does an introduction his god says i am the god of your father i am the god of abraham isaac and jacob do you think abraham isaac and jacob were such great people that god attributes himself to being the father of them or the god of them abraham was a liar isaac also was a liar jacob was a rogue he was deceptive he was uh, a liar he was very brash that was jacob but god is saying i am the god of abraham isaac and jacob our god is the god of each one of us we know how we are we are no better we are probably worse but god delights in his children and he likes to be called your father he likes to be called my father and then god tells moses that he hears the the cry of his children and he wants moses to go to pharaoh and deliver all the israelites from egypt and bring them to the promised land the promise that was made to abraham 430 years ago god wants to fulfill that through moses god has a purpose for each of our lives and god says come now i will send you to pharaoh that you may bring my people out of egypt and god has such a purpose for our lives what would our response be to the venus the same as moses moses said who am i i am nothing i am an outcast i am a fugitive i am a humble shepherd but god had just explained to moses that god was his father right and he was the god of his fathers moses completely forgot about that and that's exactly what satan does he tries to tell you the worst part of you he says that defines you you're a liar or you're a thief or you're an adulterer whatever you've done no you some sin you've committed satan will immediately brand you that that is his ploy but who are we our identity is safe in christ we are children of god with the children of god
many of us have this low self image about ourselves right but we need to see how god sees us god's image of us is totally different he looks beyond our faults beyond our blemishes and then to this god says don't worry i am with you verse 12 i will certainly be with you and this shall be the sign to you that i sent you when you bring the people out of egypt you shall serve god on this very mountain i will certainly be with you god is promising moses that he will be with him so when god gives you a purpose for your life you can be very certain that he is going to be with you there's there's no doubt you don't have to have 0.0001% of doubt also it's a promise from god and then again moses comes up with another excuse in verse 13 he says what do i tell the israelites about you what is your name what is your name and god so beautifully says i am has sent you i am god doesn't say now i mean god did say that he was the god of his father abraham isaac and jacob but now says now god says i am i am today your god god is exactly who we need at our point of need if god is i am that means god is beyond space god is beyond time god is beyond matter god is beyond whatever problem you're going through whatever circumstance you're going through god is beyond all that god is god is our healer when we need healing god is our prince of peace when we feel like we're being attacked from all over when we are anxious god is the prince of peace god is our provider god is bigger than your situation god is your friend even when everybody forsakes you remember god is your friend <coughs> how many of you have problems all of us have problems i see some people who don't good for you <laughs> but god is bigger than all our problems he's bigger than all our fears he's bigger than any mountain do all of you know this song can we sing it you know it try if you know would you like to come up and sing <laughs> so very simple song uh, which you could you could sing with us
So when God is with you in your problem, God says it's not going to be easy. He gives you a purpose. The purpose is usually problematic. <laughs> okay. And God says it's not going to be easy. In, uh, in chapter 3, verse 19, God says, I'm sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. You have to get my people out of Egypt, but I'm sure he will not let you go. Remember, your promise is only after the process. There is a due process and God takes us through the process. Our consolation is that God, the almighty God, the creator of the heavens and the earth is with us. And in verse 20 he says, so I'll stretch out my hand and strike Egypt. After that he will let you go. I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians and you shall not leave empty-handed. After you've accepted Jesus, life becomes harder. If there's somebody who told you life will become easier, I'm sorry, it's not the gospel. Life is not going to be easier, it will be much tougher. But through that hardship, through that experience, God will teach us something new something fresh and will take us to the next level of a radical transformation. It will never be easier on your body, but I assure you it will be enriching for your soul. Then again Moses again says in chapter 4 verse 1, suppose they don't believe and say that the Lord has not appeared to you. <laughs> I mean, he's really testing God's patience, right? First he says, who am I that I should go? Then who, who should I say sent me? And now even after all that, he says, suppose they don't believe that you sent me, what do I do? And now I want to teach you four signs in your life that show that you're radically transformed. God gives the signs. He first tells Moses, what is in your hand? God is asking each of us, what is in your hand? What do you have? You have your talents. You have your education. You have your possessions. You may have a business. Whatever it is that you have, God says, put it down. And so Moses puts that rod down and it becomes a snake. And as soon as Moses looks at the snake, he starts running away. And God says, come back and hold the snake by its tail. Anybody who's held a snake by its tail? What will happen if you hold a snake by its tail? You don't hold it by its tail. You, I mean, logically you have to hold it by its head. When you hold it by its tail, it's going to come back and bite you. But God makes us do these things to prove that He is God. So God will take you through circumstances. It may sound very illogical. But you will know that God is in it because only He can get you through it. And so Moses picks that serpent up and it becomes a rod again. 
whatever you have with you in your hand your possessions your body are you using it as an instrument of god is it under your control have you caught it by its tail or are you allowing it to remain a serpent what is it there in your hand how are you using it and another another sign that god gives uh, moses is he says when you are in egypt you take a bit of water from the nile and you pour it out it will become blood so sometimes you may not have what it takes god will use the environment he'll use the situation to show his glory amen so the second sign is that god will show his glory through the situation you are in the first sign of a transformed life is all that you have you give it as an instrument of god the second one is you allow him to show his glory through your situation and the third sign that i think is the most fascinating and the defining moment of this entire experience this is something we all need to have god tells moses put your hand into your bosom and so moses does that he puts his hand into his bosom and then he takes it out it becomes leprous leprosy is the worst form of skin disease a person who is leprous would have to now now the israelites later on you'll you'll see that they were traveling as camps right they, they were in a camp they lived together but a person who had leprosy should go outside the camp should live outside the camp and if they ever come close to a person who is non leprous the minimum distance they need to maintain is 16 feet if they want to come and say something 16 feet not closer and a leprous person's clothes should be torn he cannot wear new clothes his hair should be loose he should cover his lips like this and shout unclean unclean why do you think god had that what was he trying to equate leprosy to any thoughts ideas sin so in the old testament every if you go through look at the law and the rituals everything indicates something of the new testament okay so leprosy is sin equated to sin here and so a leprous person so god is trying to show us that sin needs to be away from our camp you need to maintain a huge distance from sin and sin is unclean 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 it's shouting out unclean still we go and fall into it right so god is saying it's unclean don't go near it so that's the nature of moses's hand he on the outside he's fine but on the inside when he takes his hand out it is leprous it is sinful that's how we all are sinful people that's our nature we are fallen we are deceived and then god says put your hand back into your bosom 
we'll come back to what happens when he takes his hand out. Suppose a leper was healed of leprosy. So I told you what, what is done when a person is leprous. He's, he's outside the camp. He has to shout. He's unclean. Maintain a distance. But then God also healed the, the lepers. So when a person is healed, a priest should go out of the camp to where the leper is. The leper cannot just come in. So there was a ritual here or a sacrifice. So what, what, the, uh, what the priest used to do is he used to go and physically examine the leper to see he's perfectly fine, there's no leprosy in him. And then the priest would take two birds, two live and healthy birds without any blemish. Okay? And one bird, he would put it under uh, a water source which is flowing with water and under that will be earthen earthen vessel or a mud pot okay so the bird is kept on a mud pot and then water is poured on it till the bird dies and the blood comes out so the blood and the water would mix together and remain in that earthen vessel okay so that's one bird i told you there were two birds right so next bird what they used to do is uh, they were instructed to take a little bit of cedar wood. Cedar wood is a little piece of wood. And then a hyssop. Hyssop was a, was a plant. So they would take a branch of the hyssop. And then they would tie it to that live bird with a scarlet thread. Scarlet is a red color thread. So they would tie uh, the cedar wood and the branch of hyssop to the bird with the scarlet thread and dip it into the that water and blood which was left by the first bird. Okay? And then they, what they used to do is take that, so this bird is still alive, right? Alive and kicking. <laughs> they take that bird and allow it to sprinkle that blood and water along with the hyssop uh, and the cedar wood, all that together seven times on the leprous person. So to sprinkle seven times and then the priest would say this, lep this leper is clean, he's healed and then he would release the bird. Have you all understood? Okay. It's so beautiful that our Lord went through the same thing. In Hebrews 13, 11 to 13, it says Jesus was sacrificed outside the camp. Just like how that first bird was. He was sacrificed outside the camp. And in uh, John 19, 17 and 18, we see that Jesus was crucified on the cross, which was made of wood. I love the way, uh, you know, it brought, actually brought tears to my eyes when uh, uh, Gedi, you were leading us in worship about how our Lord is clothed in majesty, right? In John 19, 17, 18, uh, I'm sorry, uh, in Matthew uh, 27, 28, we see how the soldiers scourged the body of Jesus, 
stripped him of his robe a god who was clothed in majesty stripped of his robe beaten and he was covered with a scarlet robe okay and then jesus just before he died he says i thirst and the soldier dips some wine um in a in a in a sponge and with the hyssop branch offers it to jesus and jesus drinks a bit of it and then he says it is finished so you see all these elements in jesus crucifixion crucifixion the wood the cross the scarlet which was the robe that was put on him and the hyssop so we see the all the elements of crucifixion of jesus crucifixion coming together and only that made and after that uh jesus was buried and on the third day he rose again just like that second bird rose and he is ascended into heaven and he seated on the right hand of god the father interceding for us he loves us so much he in, he needn't have gone through all that he's done it for you for me because you and i are his children and so moses now god tells moses take your hand out and the hand was perfect so only god can heal our leprosy only god can heal us from our sin and he's done it on the cross we just need to believe him and ask him to enter our life if there's anyone here who's not yet accepted jesus as your lord and savior i would encourage you and invite you to accept jesus into your life that's the best thing that you can do that is that will bring the radical transformation that you've been expecting all your life amen you know after this um after this amazing experience like all of you my, many of you and i we've gone through this experience where we given our lives to christ amen thank god but even after this experience we make excuses we are still making excuses today moses is making excuses he says in chapter right after that i am not eloquent i am slow of speech and tongue moses saying i i can't do it even after all this leave moses aside you and i are doing that we are doing it even today and the lord said to moses who has made man's mouth who makes him mute deaf the seeing or the blind have not i the lord now therefore go and i will be your mouth and teach you what to say god says i will be your mouth just look at the level god is going to if i says i am your god then he says i will be with you 
then he is willing to become even a member of our body so i will be your mouth i will teach you what to say and even after this moses says lord i am not fit enough please find someone else and that's when god says okay i'm sending aaron he will speak on your behalf go to egypt and the rest is history of course after that moses life changed completely but god jesus just before he ascended into heaven he gave us the exact same commission just like god out of the burning bush said go to pharaoh i will be your mouth god in matthew 28:19 to 20 just before he ascended into heaven he gave this universal commission for all believers therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit and teaching them to obey everything i have commanded you and surely i am with you always to the very end of the age here also god says therefore go you teach them i am with you the exact same thing that god told moses god is telling has told us and what are we doing so the fourth sign of a transformed radically transformed life is one in which you freely proclaim the gospel but you take every opportunity to tell people about christ and what he has done in your life shall we all commit to that would you like to stand up in prayer with me you know just before i i pray and close i'd like to talk to you about a girl who from the emerald isle island island is called the emerald isle It is a beautiful. It is still a beautiful country with rolling green hills and beautiful blue seas. This girl's father owned the largest flour mill in that area. This was in the 1800s, late 1800s, and she was a teenager. Basically, people from Ireland are all blonde, right? So they, they would have. Um, golden hair and blue eyes but she had brown eyes so that is something that really you know put her off she she was saying god why do i have brown eyes i want to be like all the others and as a teenager in church she gave her life to christ that was a, that was a radical transformation in her life the very next day and for the rest of the life she was serving others during those days people who worked in the mill would use a shawl okay but the affluent rich and the affluent who would go to the churches would have a hat so these people were called shawlies shawlies meaning they use only a shawl and so uh, they would not be even allowed to attend church because they didn't have a hat and so she immediately opened a hall and welcomed all these all the shawlies to church to that hall and it became such a blessing that church remains there here there even till today 
but she had a deep burden for missions and she wanted to come to china on top of all this she had a uh, a neuro issue which actually uh, meant she was not supposed to travel but she still traveled she went into japan instead of china and in japan uh, she almost convinced a, a, a lady old lady to give her life to christ but when that old, but the old lady through her uh, blind eyes uh, vaguely saw the gloves on on uh, this girl's hand gloves were not worn by the japanese so then immediately she knew that it was a person a foreigner and she didn't and that lady did not accept christ shattered amy carmichael went back to ireland but then came to india to a place called donavur and there she set up a ministry in which girls were rescued from uh temple prostitution were kept and that ministry grew and boys who were who were born out of uh that prostitution were also given a home here in in donavur fellowship and donavur fellowship is there till today and many of you have studied studied in santosha vidyalaya Amy Carmichael when she died she didn't even want a stone tombstone to be kept and so in this 170 acre campus below a fountain lies the body of Amy Carmichael a lady who could have chosen to live a, a very secure a very affluent life in Ireland took a choice to come to India and she died here So my challenge to you friends is to ask God what the purpose you have he has for your life and surrender yourselves to him Thank you for listening to our sermon today we hope that it was a blessing for you as well as your family If you would like to support our ministry you can do so by visiting kingcitychurch.org/give And if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, please subscribe and hit the bell icon to be notified on our upcoming sermon. We hope to see you next week with another inspiring sermon. Until then, God bless you all.